Welcome to American Patchwork and Quilting Radio, your one stop for creative inspiration. We have a terrific hour of ideas and tips for you today, so let's get to it. Here's your host, Pat Sloan. Welcome to American Patrick and Quilting's uh, talk show. I'm your host, Pat Sloan, and I have got one of my friends, Linda T. Folt here of The Quilted Goose, and she has a brand new book out that is so fantastic, besides all the under- other wonderful things that she does, that I am really excited that we're going to get to share all that with you. So hi, Linda. How's it going? Hey, Pat. Just great. How are you today? I am wonderful. I always consider you like a long-arm expert, but you are much more well-rounded. You don't just focus on that. You have done beautiful, amazing work and won, I don't know, have you won hundreds of ribbons, Linda? I mean... (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a great question, Pat. Thank you for that. Um, Yes, I um, am a long-armer and um, a machine quilter, I guess I would say. Mm -hmm. I, um, when I first thought about getting a long arm I had 42 quilt tops hanging in my closet and (laughs) as a hand quilter I knew that I was not going to live long enough so I bought a long arm and Mm -hmm. um, just started you know quilting for other people with the intention that I would just uh, make back the money that I paid for the long arm and uh, focus on you know my own stuff well 15 years later, I finally retired from quilting for other people, and now I am to the point of focusing on just my own stuff. I think that that is fantastic. You're like, okay, I just have too many quilts. I'm going to buy a long arm. That'll be <laughs> that'll just be Yeah, that. and to your point about the other question, um, I started competing in 2002. That was my very first quilt show, and um, I've been blessed over all these years to have uh, won over 100 ribbons at national shows, and I was pretty excited this year. I, I snagged a pretty big award at Road to California uh, for my Modern Mojo 2 quilt, which a lot of people have seen. It's been at quite a few shows around the country. It is fabulous because the entire quilt is, I mean, it, there is some patchwork or, you know, applique type, you know, there's some design on it, but it's really all about the quilting, you know, so it showcases your your gorgeousness. It's just wonderful. <laughs> yeah, it's a very simple quilt. If um, if it weren't for the quilting, it would just be ho-hum because it's really just some strips of different colored fabrics and a solid background. So you really needed the quilting to uh, make the quilt happen. And uh, that quilt has quite a story. Um, that I think, yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah, go ahead, Linda. Just tell us about that one because then we'll talk about the, about your new book. But I think okay. people would love love to hear what motivated you to uh, and on that quilt. Well, I had uh, a pretty bad skiing crash, and I broke my shoulder and my ankle a couple of years ago. And um, when I started back quilting, I didn't have, you know, hardly any range of motion, and I couldn't stand for more than an hour at a time. And um, so long-arming was a real challenge. And I started working on some charity quilts, and my quilting was just horrific. And um, I was at a... It was. It really was. And I was doing physical therapy and, you know, trying to get back into the swing of things. And um, there was a point in time where I really thought my, you know, competitive quilting days were over because my... My quilting was just so horrible. I mean, I I wouldn't have even gotten into hardly any shows with the quilting that I was able to do. But 
but I persevered and um I thought, you know, I'm going to I'm going to try this modern quilt and and see if I can, you know, get back to where I was, you know, not as much pressure as maybe a traditional quilt. Mm-hmm. And I started quilting and, you know, it started happening and I was still going to physical therapy and the quilt was in the machine for four months. And um, when I got it done, took it out and threw it on the floor, which is what I normally do, I just remember doing a fist pump because I finally felt like I was back. And uh, coming from a point where I didn't think I'd ever quilt again to that and then have that quilt do so well mm-hmm. was just amazing. If my house is on fire, that's the one quilt I'm going <laughs> to grab. <laughs> And, and I do have to back up and say, yes, people, you dear hear Linda say she threw her award-winning quilt on the floor as soon as it was done. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do that with every quilt because oftentimes, you know, when it's rolled up on the machine, you really can't get the perspective, you know, because you're so close to it. And um, mm-hmm. so that is what I normally do. And then, uh, you know, from there, they all get washed and then they get blocked and... Um, I've been very, very blessed with that quilt. That quilt not only has a a huge personal meaning to me, but uh, to have my work recognized around the country has just been an incredible thing. Yeah, people have to be looking for it. Give us the name of it again. It's called Modern Mojo 2. Okay. Now, I want to switch gears and let's talk about your book because, like I like I did in the intro, you are, are a very well-rounded uh, quilt expert. I mean, you do you do the whole thing. And my one of my personal favorites, Linda, of, of quilts are Baltimore albums. And the fact that they usually have about 8 million pieces, um, 2,000 of them are berries. You know, I just <laughs> – I'm, I'm always loving books like yours that are um, what I would call doable Baltimore albums. Well, I I think you actually have nailed it quite succinctly. Um, when I got the idea for the book, I love applique, and I'm a traditional quilter at heart, even though I have been doing a lot more with modern stuff lately. Um, I've always loved applique, and I made one Baltimore album block. I think it took me about, I don't know, eight or nine months. <laughs> and um, I think it was the 2,000 berries that did me in. But yeah. uh, So I got the idea to... Take the aesthetic that we love about the 19th century blocks of Baltimore album quilts and blow them up. Uh, All the blocks primarily are 18 inches. um, And then mix in some um, just different kinds of piecing uh, to make the quilt, you know, a little more doable for the average person. I mean, we all live in the 21st century, and I don't think, too many of us have the kind of time that a Baltimore album quilt would take. So um, it, it's more of a modern take on Baltimore albums. I think there's one quilt in the book that you would probably say qualifies as a Baltimore album. But the size and the simplicity of some of the other things that go on on the quilts in the book um, means we're going to Baltimore. We're on our way. We're never right. quite going to get there. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a really that's a fabulous way to say it, you know. I love your colors. Oh, my goodness. They well, thank are, you. Th- I think my favorite color combo, Linda, in the book, for me personally, is your Nottingham pomegranate in the kind of cheddar and that that pink. I call it that pink. Oh, like, and, you know, that was such a funky fabric. I mean, it's, it's fuchsia and cheddar and burgundy and white and just so crazy.
crazy. It was a it was a modern fabric. I mean, a, you know, a fabric of today. It wasn't a reproduction. Mm-hmm. But interestingly enough, all the fabrics that um, went with it and that you know matched or or were ones I wanted to use in the quilt were actually reproductions because there's that funky cheddar and that mm-hmm. pink and you know that pink as you say, mm-hmm. and um, it's just a really wild loud quilt, but. I just think it's just pure fun, you know. And, and then the alternate in the book, one of the things that's interesting about the book, I think, is um, all but two of the quilts in the book have an alternate, and they're all dramatically different, um, whereas that one is, you know, that crazy fuchsia and, and uh, cheddar border. The, uh, the alternate to that is in the traditional red, green, and white that you would expect to see um, from a Baltimore quilt. So it's kind of fun to look at the quilts, and most people, when they see them in person, are just shocked at how many of them don't even look like the same quilt just by changing the colors of the fabrics. Yeah, and that was an excellent example, that particular one, because the red and green and cream version is equally spectacular, but its um, inner border that you did looks so much different with your your color placement. Well, thank you. Yeah, it was fun. It was really, I had no idea when I got this brainchild to make two quilts <laughs> for every one in the book that it was really like doing two two books. <laughs> but uh, I was really thrilled with uh, the reception and, and the response that, you know, people have given it and, and they're having some fun. And, you know, that's what quilting should be about. It shouldn't be something that you have to, oh, great, I'm on berry number 2200, right. you know. <laughs> How many more berries to go? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Count count the number of berries. Now you have, you have a neat tip in here, something that you do with rickrack. Can you share that? Oh well, I am a. uh, I like to solve problems. I like to find ways that um, you can get the same look without having to do all the work. Some might say I. I would be lazy, I guess you could say. So I wanted to do a scallop border around um, various elements in one of the quilts in the book. And you know that giant rickrack that's in all the quilt shops now? It's like, I don't know, two inches big or something. I mean, it's like like rickrack on steroids. Right. And I saw that and I thought, perfect. I don't have to turn all that. I don't have to finish the edges. I don't have to do anything, but just sew it down. And so I cut it in half and I have this perfect scalloped little element that separates the, um, you know, the other blocks. And it just really was a great, a great find. And in a way that, you know, when you, when you see things like that, you wonder, okay, what can I do with this? You know, sometimes Mm -hmm. we just think in the box and, Mm -hmm. uh, that was definitely, when I saw it, I thought, oh, perfect. I don't think I've ever cut rickrack, so that's uh... <laughs> Well, quite honestly, Pat, I never had either until I made that quilt. <laughs> was it hard to keep it straight, to cut the line? No, actually, it's so firm that um, it, you know, and it's big. I mean, it's like mm-hmm. two inches wide. Yeah, they're wide, um, yeah. So you're, you're working with something that's pretty, you know, Solid, I guess. The one thing that I I think was kind of tricky was um, really trimming, like, where I had to turn the corner and kind of do a fake miter, you know, on the border, um, because it's thick, you know, rickrack's kind of thick, and, um, but I just did some trimming, and uh, it worked out just great. I'm going to use it again. I think it's just a really fun way to add, you know, kind of a funky element to a quilt without having to do all the work. Perfect, perfect, perfect. We have, like, about... 
30 seconds. Linda, tell me where you're teaching next so people might uh, stop in and, and uh, take your class. Well, actually, my next, um, because I was working on the book, I wasn't uh, taking too many gigs, but I'm doing a lot of guild things, and my next um, major teaching event will be at MQX in Springfield, uh, Illinois, in October. Oh. And do you keep a list on your website? Well, interestingly enough, I'm in the process of uh, totally redoing my website, and I hope uh, to have that posted uh, towards the end of the month. Um, it's underway right now, and... Um, but find me on Facebook. I have the Quilted Goose on Facebook, and there's all kinds of news and photos, tons of photos about quilts on my Quilted Goose Perfect. Facebook page. Thank you, Linda. All right. You have a great day. Thanks for the call, Pat. Uh-huh. We'll be right back. Choose from more than 100 of your favorite patterns from American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilts and More, and Quilt Sampler, all available online. Buy downloadable patterns today at apqshop.com. Hi, I'm Linda Augsburg, Executive Editor of American Patchwork and Quilting, and I'd like to invite you to join me in making pillowcases and creating smiles. For people who love to sew or quilt, it's so easy to lift spirits and bring smiles to hospitalized kids, homeless families, and others in need. Simply join American Patchwork and Quilting Magazine's One Million Pillowcase Challenge. Make one, two, or many more pillowcases and donate them in your local community. You'll create just as many smiles. Join the movement today. Find complete details, download free patterns, and record your donations online at allpeoplequilt.com backslash million pillowcase quilt along with us in 2016 join our third annual quilt along by making a quilt a one block pillow or all four projects featuring plus sign designs visit allpeoplequilt.com slash quilt along for a list of participating bloggers and designers and to see photos of what staff members and other readers are sewing Share your photos on social media using the hashtag APQQuiltAlong to join the fun. Follow American Patchwork and Quilting on Pinterest to find ideas for bags, baby projects, pillowcases, storage and organization, and more. Visit Pinterest.com backslash APQ Magazine to join the fun. Welcome back to American Patrick and Quilting's podcast. I'm your host, Pat Sloan. I am so excited to have my friend Annabelle Wrigley on. She owns the shop out um, just outside of my town called Little Pin Cushion uh, Studio, where she does a lot of um, teaching of children to quilt. And Annabelle has her first uh, fabric line, which we're going to talk about and catch up on other things. Hi, Annabelle. How are you? Hi, Pat. I'm well, thanks. How are you? I'm good. Are you enjoying that we finally have summer here in Virginia? I am enjoying it, but I'm leaving to go to Australia tomorrow, so I'll be heading to the winter. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. You must be in the midst of packing. uh... I am. I definitely am. I definitely am. It's a long way. It's a big trip. Yes, she's got suitcases up to her knees, folks. She's uh, got to... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so um, tell me a little bit about, um, let's talk about your fabric line first, because you are designing mm-hmm. with Wyndham, and uh, mm-hmm. it is just so gorgeous. Um, how, oh, how? Tell me about the name of it and how you came up with that. Okay. Um, well, the name of it, 
Uh, I wanted to name it after my grandmother, who was my last remaining grandparent. Um, and she sadly passed away last year, right before I was able to show her the pictures of it. But oh. she was just such a, like a joyful, amazing woman that I wanted to kind of name it after her, just, you know, in her memory. So that's where Maribel came from. Um, and then the, the sort of feel of it, um, was really inspired from, by my childhood, really. Um, I never thought that I would do something that was filled with so many florals. And maybe I've been trying to rebel against it, but I guess it all goes back to sort of, you know, the way I grew up and um, we used to spend weekends at our farm in the country and there was always a lot of florals and we would always go out to the, you know, the fabric shop and there was Liberty of London everywhere and I was kind of always surrounded by it. My mother really loved it. And so the collection is really kind of a, just like a little bit of a modern take on the florals that were around me as a child. You know, I really like the um, the shade of orange that you used in there. Um, is that a color that is sort of native to Australia, like orange flowers? Because you used it in a couple of the, the different pieces. No, I. You know, I'm I'm not usually someone who who goes in the orange direction. But I just kind of felt as I was going along and coloring the collection that that orange was just the perfect color for it. And it was so bright and it felt very sort of vintage style to me. And Mm -hmm. um, that's where it came from. I'm thrilled with how the the colors came out in the collection. It was exactly how I had wanted it to look. I know. Isn't that great when it comes in fabric and it looks like what you're hoping for? I know. And you like squeal a little bit and jump up and down and it's so exciting. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Now, you were very... um, I would say I would call it energetic. You got like all of these projects done to showcase the fabric to the shop owners, so they, you know, so they would know when they were buying mm-hmm. it how it could be used. How did you go uh-huh. about assembling all those projects? Well, I all the apparel I sewed myself, um, so that was quite a massive undertaking. I think that I just was sewing clothes for weeks and weeks and weeks, mm-hmm. um, but it was good because I improved my apparel sewing skills in the process. But um, <laughs> And the quilts, I sewed uh, just a, maybe three three or four of those quilts, and then the rest mm-hmm. of them I approached lots of very generous friends and asked them if they would help me, and mm-hmm. they kindly did. Um, and so that's what, how we ended up with such a big um, quantity of, of things to show because I really wanted to show people how it could be used in for all different ways. It, it's beautiful in quilts, it's wonderful in clothing, and it's really good in, you know, other applications um, for home decor and, and all of that kind of jazz. Yeah. So, you know, included in this, you um, you did a, a little check or a gingham. Which do you call it? Do you call it a gingham or a check? I call it a gingham, yeah. Mm-hmm. And is that something that, um, you know, when you were a kid, did, did you have, like... Absolutely. Grab- yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I love, I had always wanted to do a really modern gingham um, in some really great colors. I love that turquoise blue and the navy. Yeah. I love that. I think you can put it with any print and it looks fantastic. So I'm thrilled with how that came out. Now, you sew with, um, you teach a lot of children. That's kind of your, your mm-hmm. specialty. And so right. have you shown any of your, um, your customers, your, your young students, the fabric yet? 
oh my gosh, they've all been selling with it. Are you kidding? Oh, <laughs> I tried to, I tried to say for a while, I would be like, no, 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 we can't touch that. We're yeah. going to leave it on the shelf because I've got to make a lot of things out of that stuff. <laughs> and then slowly as like the, you know, the, the off cuts would end up in the, the scrap bin, little hands would find them. And, and I love that. I love that the kids want to use it mm-hmm. constantly. Um, and I love that the adults are dropping by, um, and who see it and the parents who see it up on the shelf and really want to get their hands on it as well. So that's really exciting. So I'm excited for when it comes out. <laughs> that's fun. That is so fun because I know that yeah. you wanted to be sure that it appealed to a wide age range. Um, right. Absolutely. With, with the design. Absolutely. And I'm yeah. so, and I'm so excited because I'm going, you know, as I said, I'm going home tomorrow and my best friend is having one of those prints, um, put onto a surfboard oh. so i'm super excited she's going to have an entire surfboard covered in maribel so i'm really excited to see it oh my gosh that is going to be so cool so cool, oh. so cool. you'll have to share yeah. you have to share photos of that that absolutely that i sure will <laughs> now i want to um ask you a little bit about you have this fabulous camper that you um that you use do you teach in it is that mm-hmm. what it's primarily for yeah i do yep that's what it's for yep so how uh, does that work you're just, you have a pink camper <laughs> and do you <laughs> i'm trying to get my head around this do you like take it to um someone's home and teach classes yeah or do you yeah yeah. That's what you, um, yeah so um so i had kind of always had this hair-brained scheme that one day I would have a camper and I would do something out of it, operate some kind of business out of it. And mm-hmm. I had been looking for years for a vintage trailer and I could never find anything I wanted. And they're quite scarce these days and quite expensive to buy a true vintage one. And somehow I came across a guy in Tennessee who was building reproductions of the Shasta um, camper. Oh, and oh. I just, after a lot of thought, I just decided to go for it because I thought I can build it out exactly as I want. I know I'm not going to have any hidden problems. Mm-hmm. And so he, um, he built it and painted it that pink, which is the color of my logo for my business. Mm-hmm. And we got it sort of finished, but, um, then my husband, um, and I, we built out the entire inside. Well, when I say we, he did it, and I just told uh-huh. him what to build. <laughs> um, and um, you were so supervising. We all, supervising. I was supervising. Stage. Yes. And so he built this really great um, long sort of work workbench with lots of legroom and lots of shelves and sort of um, a bench with some storage underneath for the sewing machine. And we have a cutting table and a little ironing board in there. And I take it out and I do birthday parties and private classes for little groups of friends. Mm. And um, we just, we strap everything in. He comes with me every time because I'm a bit scared to back it up. And it's been fantastic. It's so fun. I do, I probably do it. I get inquiries and I could, I could have it out every weekend. Mm. Um, but I do also need to be a mum. And yeah. <laughs> I, I work yep. a lot. Uh, yes. So we, we book it out. We try and book it once or twice a month. And, um, and that takes me into DC, Maryland, what, you know, Georgetown, um, right. sort of the out of the way places where people can't actually get to me just to my studio to take a class. So it's great. What do people say when they go inside of it? Because it's not like a regular camper inside, you know, do you have people who they don't know what freak it actually out. They freak is out. that kind of show up? It's, 
they freak out because it looks really small from the outside and when you get in it it's actually very spacious and it fits I can teach five children comfortably mm. with five sewing machines in there. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. And it's, it's super cosy. I love it. And my thought is one day when I retire, hubby and I can put a bed in there and we can go camping or something. <laughs> That's right. You can keep it forever. It's got uh, two purposes, right? That's... I know. And he's not too manly to be seen around in a pink camper. doesn't bother him no. at all. So. Ah. Well, that's fabulous. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah. um, I saw on your website that uh, you had actually had a class where the kids made like pillows, like their own version yeah. of the camper. Yeah, that was so fun. And, and the, sort of the brief of it was, okay, well, if you had a little camper and a little business and you were an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. what would you do? And so there was a lot of dog grooming businesses and pet stores and cupcake shops that, you know, it, it it sort of we we covered the basics of mm-hmm. of building that thing, and then they all got to personalize it. And they they're probably my sweetest and most favorite project that we've done. I love it. Oh, they're they're just really really cute. Um, and you've got yeah. like the whole a bunch of the girls standing there with their pillows. They're just turned out yeah. so adorable. Um, so cute. I do have a question. Uh, we are doing um, some chat this month about color palettes. And I was wondering, you know, how do you encourage people to maybe move or change their color palette when they've been maybe stuck in the same one for a while? Gosh, it's hard because I have that, I have that problem as well sometimes where I get really, really stuck. And I've been, I, I have been known to buy packets of coffee because the color of the packet of coffee inspires me so much, I know that I want to put it away <laughs> and just yeah. look at it. Do you know what yeah. I mean? But for me, it's it's a lot about looking at artwork, and I look at how a lot of you know modern artists put together their color palettes, and that kind of inspires me in a direction. And usually, I'll put together a board of of colors that I really like, and then work out a way that I can put it together. Because I don't want to get stuck in a rut where I'm using the same colors all the time. Right. Um, so I think you just got to go outside and look at other places to get inspiration. Um, yeah. And for me, that's looking at artwork for sure. Well, Annabelle, this has been so fantastic. Thank you for popping in as you're in the middle of packing. Oh, thanks so much for having. Oh, thanks so much for having me. <laughs> Have a really good trip. Thank you so much. Thanks. We're going to take a break uh, for American Patchwork and Quilting's podcast. We'll be right back. Boost your sewing skills from start to finish with daily tips from the editors of American Patchwork and Quilting. Visit tips.allpeoplequilt.com for inspiration. Hi, I'm Linda Augsburg. Join me for a fun video series called Show Me How, brought to you by Baby Luck. Each month, I'll show you how to complete a simple project from start to finish. Learn new techniques, see tips, and sew a great project with me. Visit allpeoplequilt.com backslash videos to watch. Get two full years of American Patchwork and Quilting delivered right to your door for the price of one. That's a full year free. Every issue is packed with never-before-seen projects from top designers, detailed photography, complete materials lists, and easy-to-use pull-out patterns and quilting diagrams. 
Subscribe today at allpeoplequilt.com. Take an ultimate shop hop tour of 11 top quilt shops. You'll find them all in the current issue of Quilt Sampler, available now at your local quilt shop or on newsstands. Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting's talk show. I'm your host, Pat Sloan, and I get to talk to Amy Smart next from Diary of a Quilter. Amy's been on here several times to chat with me, and today we're going to talk pre-cuts because she has a new class that gives you all kinds of amazing information. Hey, Amy, what's going on? Hi, Pat. I'm doing great. How are you? I am wonderful. Okay, so the, here's the first question. Uh the first pre-cut question. Can okay. you re- can you remember when you bought your first pre-cut and, and what it was by any chance? That is so funny. I, you know, I, I remember I was working in my local quilt shop, actually. I remember when pre-cuts came out mm-hmm. and being like, what is this? This It's back when I think Moda just had charm packs, the five-inch. Oh. Five I want to say it was maybe an April Cornell line. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Or... It was, it, you know, it's about oh, 10 years ago. Is that when yeah. they came out? I just remember Please. being in the quilt shop thinking, this is so smart. Why did yeah. we think of this sooner? We need this. It's going to yeah. be great. Yeah. So I think um, for me, one of the questions I hear all the time about pre-cuts is um, about the pinked edges. Yeah. Do you yep. get it seems to be the one thing that confuses everybody. You know, how do you address it? You know, um, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think, you know, now as more manufacturers are, are producing pre-cuts, they're just so mm-hmm. handy. So you do get each each manufacturer has a slightly different pinked edge. Obviously, the pinked edge is good in that it keeps those little squares or strips from fraying before mm-hmm. they, you know, before they get to you. But um, they are tricky at first, maybe to navigate around, and I found that just measuring the pre-cuts themselves, you know, taking just one. Once you've measured one from the the, the bundle, you know they're all the same. But if measuring one and just seeing where that pinked edge falls, whether you're using, you know, the peak of the pinked edge as your uh, as the edge of your fabric, or the valley. Sometimes it's the valley of that pinked edge. So just Finding it and knowing, okay, this is where I need to line up my fabric makes a big difference. Just takes a minute right at the beginning, and then you know where that that size is, where where in that five-inch square that edge hits. So I think that that is a quick, easy way. Sometimes it's worth it. if it's slightly large, you can even kind of trim those tips, just square them off. But, yeah, it's a great way to just just check it before you start sewing. Obviously, if you're just sewing all those squares together, it doesn't matter. But as you're pairing those maybe with other pieces you've cut yourself, then you want to find where yeah. that Be- that falls. And it is true that there's, you know, there's many manufacturers now who have pre-cut squares. So you do want and to And each be one's slightly different. Yeah. 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 So you got to check it. Now, tell me a little bit about the class. It's called Pre-Cut Shortcuts. Yay. I love shortcuts. Yay. Shortcut. Quilt, yeah. <laughs> Quilt tops in less time. We, we want to, those baby quilts we have to get out, the graduation uh, yes. quilts. Um, what, Sometimes what just you the, have fabric and you want to use it up so you can move on to the next pile of fabric. <laughs> oh, I know. You know what? I think that 
when we have a gorgeous, we buy something, we're like, we love it, love it, love it so much, and then we agonize over something to make. Wouldn't it be better just to make make a quick design and enjoy it? Yes, I agree, especially if it's fabric you love and you yeah. want to be using it, not not just looking at it for a long time. So, yeah, I agree. So what are the um, so what are the components of the class? When they come to class, there, there are obviously some patterns, but uh, how do you walk through it? You know, we talk a little bit about about using pre-cuts and about um, kind of like we talked about finding those edges and, and whether or not to whether or not you need to pre-wash or just some some basic tips. And I also like to point out that you don't have to keep those pre-cuts five-inch squares. You don't have to just use them. Mm-hmm. You can cut them up and use them as other size pieces. In fact, we talk a little bit about uh, 10 by 10-inch squares, layer cakes, and yeah. and how those are just those are a great way to get a collection of fabric without having to buy a lot of fabric. You know, it's perfect for cut them up for patchwork or use them. But they're also great for making fast projects. And I even have a, a I think one of my favorite projects is strip piecing with layer cakes, which you'd never, you'd never think oh, about that because they're big yeah. squares. But ways to cut those into strips and, and make strip piece blocks with them. So I think there's a lot of new ways to look at at pre-cuts and, and changing up your designs, but using them as a as a time-saving technique. But a lot of the work's done for you. They're right. You know, they're bundled up, cute. They look pretty together. They're they're cut to a specific size, and with a few more cuts and and piecing back together, you can get some great new designs. One of the interesting things about the the ten inch squares um, for Moda, they're called a layer cake, um, mm-hmm. and they. I, I love the fact that you were saying it's it's a way to to have a bigger piece of fabric for what you're doing. The the charms are five inch, right? Um, so you don't really get a lot on there. It's hard to do a lot with that. But some people have trouble cutting like long lengths. So tell me about one of your favorite ways to cut up a ten inch square to make it go a little further. Go further, you know. I obviously. It's really easy to cut a 10-inch square into four or five-inch squares. So mm-hmm. if you've got lots of five-inch pre-cuts already, you can quickly make more. Or you've found a pattern that's based on five-inch squares. You can you can cut a bunch from a layer cake. But I, mm-hmm. I think they're also a great for, you know, if you do a lot of applique or, or patchwork, you know, like all the fun splendid sampler blocks, mm-hmm that are smaller blocks, you could get a lot of your pieces out of those 10-inch squares easily by just cutting them into the smaller pieces that you need. It's just, I think they're a great way to to get a good variety of coordinating fabrics without having to buy something as big as a fat quarter bundle, maybe. Right, and they're a little bit more, they're a little bit more um, price-wise, a little less expensive than a fat quarter bundle. Right, Um, but still a lot of, I mean, it's almost three yards of fabric in a, and a mm-hmm. layer cake, so that's a lot of usable, good fabric. Yeah, it is actually really good um, for the splendid sampler because uh, you can get that variety that goes across all of those mm-hmm. blocks. Um, I forget, are you doing a certain fabric line with yours? Or are you doing? A I'm lot of doing different... really scrappy. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm just pulling out, and so far, I'm playing with. I'm seeing how many different fabrics I can use. <laughs> <laughs> We'll see. <laughs> but it's fun. But I've been pulling out, you know, sometimes 
sometimes you make a quilt with pre-cuts and you might not use them all. Mm-hmm. I I love saving my leftover pre-cuts and I keep them in I keep them organized by size and they're great swatches of fabric to cut up and use into in other projects. So how do you store those? Do you keep them do you keep uh, extra pre-cuts in a certain spot or do you put them in like with your red bin or your blue bin? You know, I I used to just throw them in with by color. That's how I organize most of my scraps is, is bins mm-hmm. of colors. But I've started and and part of it was preparing for this class. I I started I keep my five I keep a box of five inch squares and a box of ten inch squares and a box of two and a half inch strips. <laughs> Those are the ones I use the most. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's fun to pull from other collections and kind of mix them together. I pulled a fun quilt together from two and a half inch strips that had come from a bunch of different lines. They worked so well. To, like they were the leftovers from other projects, and it was a fun way to use them. But it was nice because they were organized, and I could easily just find them and pull them and use them for another project. I think keeping them organized is actually makes finding things faster than I if agree. you just yeah, then if you're just dumping them in a big bin mm-hmm. or something, and then they're all messy and you're rooting around. and Yeah. yeah Especially but, where there's so many patterns written now with, with those pre-cut sizes in mm-hmm. mind. You can, you can easily, you know, without having to always buy a new set of pre-cut, use the ones that, that you have left over from other projects. And if they're organized, it's really easy to just grab them and, and make another quilt. Get another quilt yeah. out of the ones you've already <laughs> used. But... I know. Let's make some more quilts. I'm like, I've been doing, I've been on the road a lot, Amy, you know, teaching. You have. And so when I come home, I have a lot of paperwork things because I can't do that on the road. So I was like, I'm not getting enough sewing in lately. (laughs) I'm feeling the need. So uh, tell me about, you have a story um, that you shared that I would like you to share with with me again, if you can, about... um, uh, going on a family trip to the Grand Canyon yes. uh, and finding oh, some family had, history. It was fun. My, my dad's family comes from Arizona and um, kind of settled Eastern, <laughs> kind of this wild part of Arizona. And last, or last fall, my husband really, he loves going to the national parks, and we'd never done the Grand Canyon, so he really wanted to go there, and I talked him into taking a trip a few hours east afterwards to hit these little towns where my grandpa grew up and on a ranch out in eastern Arizona. One of these little towns is called Snowflake, and it's like you're in the middle of the desert. Probably, I don't know if it even snows there, but it's named Snowflake. And one of these houses, there's an old house there that was um, where my great-great-grandparents lived. And it's open. They have a lot of descendants, so it's been preserved, and and it was open for tours. And we went in and... There was a quilt on the bed made by my great-great-grandmother, and it was Mm. a signature quilt. So it had names stitched in it, and I found my great-grandmother's name, who I met as a two-year-old before she passed away. And and my great-aunt, her name was in it, too. It was so neat. I did not realize. I mean, I should have assumed she was a hearty frontier woman. I'm sure, you Mm -hmm. know, I should have assumed she made quilts, but it was so neat to see there was on this bed and preserved so beautifully and just to have that connection with my roots who were also quilters so it was really it was fun it was special 
And you didn't know in advance that that, that quote was there? No, no. I remember oh. going to this house like as a child and not really, you know, as a kid you don't appreciate things like that as much. Mm-hmm. And So I had no idea. It was really fun. And there were other quilts in the room that were made by her, too. I mean, it turns out she was a very crafty woman. She would mm-hmm. weave her own rugs and they had her loom. And anyway, it was really fun to feel that connection to oh, wow. this woman. Yeah, it was neat. It gives me goosebumps. Yeah, it does, so cool. isn't it? Fun? I, mean, I mean, quilts are such a part of our heritage, especially mm-hmm. frontier America, all American heritage. And mm-hmm. so it was fun to have that family, make that family connection. I love old scrappy pioneer quilts. They're my favorite. Yes, yes, yes. All right, so I have a pop question for you. Okay. Oh, pop question. So do you have any quilting items in your purse? Yeah, do you- I do. I always do. <laughs> There's always something floating around. I, you know, I carry around a little pouch with with hexagons because mm. you never know. I have four kids, so I never know when I'm sitting and waiting yes. for somebody. And, you just or need to do that at on any, a road trip. At any given so I, moment. <laughs> exactly. I can't just sit still. How how, do you, how does anyone just sit still? I have to do yeah. something. So I've got that, and I've got some, always like a little pair of scissors, and I think I have some wonder wonder clips floating around the bottom, too. <laughs> <laughs> Those come in handy, right? Those are yeah, they do. You can use them for all kinds filthy. of things. <laughs> oh my gosh, that cracks me up. I have a, I have a, um, a, a needle case in mine with straight pins and things. So oh, that's so smart. Well, yeah. I should just carry around extra needles because the worst is when you're out and you have your sewing and you realize you lost your oh. needle. Like, I yeah. can't do anything now. I'm missing the needle. <laughs> I know. You left it. I've left it in the project that I didn't bring along. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so I'll bring a back of needle. Yes. Extra. Yeah, we should just have a tube of needles in there. People would just yes. think we're odd if they look in there. Why do you carry this? You don't <laughs> quilt, obviously, if you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you have three pairs of scissors in your purse? Yeah, right? that's me. <laughs> Because we're normal. We're normal people. So, yep. um, so I want to remind everybody, your website is diaryofaquilter.com, which is the best name ever. You were so smart. Oh, um, thanks. I love that name of your website. And Amy's class at Craftsy is Pre-Cut Shortcuts. Um, so you got to check that out. So, Amy, thank you so much. Oh, thanks, Pat. It's always so fun to talk to you. We'll be back in a moment to American Patrick and Quilting's talk show. Looking for fresh, simple, and fun projects and ideas? Check out the current issue of Quilts and More magazine at your local quilt shop or on newsstands. Join American Patrick and Quilting on Facebook for daily quilting inspiration, tips, giveaways, and more. Find us at facebook.com backslash APQ Magazine. See our editors share their tips, ideas, and techniques by visiting allpeoplequilt.com and clicking on videos. See what other quilters are up to on the American Patchwork and Quilting page on Facebook. Simply go to facebook.com and search for APQ Magazine. Welcome back 
to American Patchwork and Quilting's podcast. The show is sponsored by Moda Fabrics. Be sure that you always go out and check the um, the blog where they write articles every week, and there's always something really interesting, including interviews with new designers coming up for Moda. So go check that out. Now, I was actually just charmed right away from the colors to the photography to the designs, everything I see from Nicole Young. And I thought, okay, we need to we need to have Nicole come and chat with me because I love her work and so do many of you. And she just has that sort of magic dust that sprinkles over everything. So hi, Nicole. Hi, Pat. I was trying not to laugh while you were introducing me there. <laughs> I know, <laughs> the magic so dust. <laughs> Well, you know, I think, do do you have like an art background? I don't know that I asked you I do. I do. I mean, I've been artistic my whole life. You know, I grew up always making something, building something, drawing, painting, sewing clothes, whatever I could get into. And, you know, I was smart enough to decide that I couldn't just, you know, paint my whole life. I went into graphic design and studied that in college and worked in the industry for about 10 years before going out on my well, I I think when people have that sort of innate, I mean, you're you're born with that. You can just tell with everything you do, it's just really aesthetically beautiful. And thank you. Com- and compelling. I mean, I think everybody just wants to make any project that you show us. It's like uh, you could be like showing us taking out the trash. We want to be. I want to do it like Nicole. <laughs> Maybe I'll work on that next. <laughs> yeah, there you go. She'll do a project for you. Um, <laughs> Now, we chatted a little bit back and forth um, before the show, and you live um, out in a, a remote part of, uh, you know, rural part of Colorado. Um, you know, it's how, you know, you went out there, you and your husband went out there, and it's kind of, um, you said there's just really not a lot of other people around. It's, it's very, I spend a lot of time with animals. <laughs> with the animals. Now, you also told me that um, your husband, what's your husband's name, his first name? Tyler. Tyler. That he's also super creative and artistic. And I just, you know, I I love your your story about how you met. Can you just tell me, like, the short version? (laughs) Yes, it was great. We met about 15 years ago. Um, He was working in a stained glass studio, which is totally his thing. And he was also in the National Guard. Mother signed herself, me, I can't, up. And through a long circumstance, we ended up at his studio, and he was a teacher. And on the first day of class, I thought, this guy's pretty cute. You know, and one of the first things out of his mouth was, you know, something along the lines of he spent years in the Army jumping out of airplanes and fixing guns, but in his spare time, he loved to see a big club. And I was like, oh, so <laughs> <laughs> Yes, you're not expecting um, the big burly guy to enjoy uh, stained glass and sewing. That's oh, the... yeah, no. I mean, his t-shirt was way too tight. Muscles were like bulging out of the arms, and it was hysterical. Yeah. <laughs> and does he also quilt? Now that you've taken up making, you know, sewing, does he also like to sew? I mean, you said he did. Well, he did sewed before, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, I actually used his sewing machine that he first bought mm-hmm. when he joined the army in 1996, and, and he uses it as well. Um, he actually just made a sleeping bag that he took on his deployment with him. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. I mean, I just find it wonderful to meet um, couples, you know, who are both artistic and and have different. Or do you have to, do you have different styles? Because stained glass is very precise. I tried it. I was no good, Nicole. No good at all. <laughs> yes, it's. it's quite a stick. 
I had to grind the glass a lot to get it. <laughs> oh, yes, that was me, too. And my husband would yell at me, no, you have to cut the no grinding. Okay, dear. <laughs> yeah. Right. So do you, do, do you find that when you're working that you can actually work on a project together, or is it more you have to do your own projects? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's funny because at first I really thought he was joking when he would try and come to me with things. So mm-hmm. just trying to be supportive. But I've come to realize he's back in the Army now for the past five years, and I've come to realize how desperately he misses being creative. And so he really tries to just get in on anything he can. And so for me, when I get stuck on something, which is specifically laying out quilt blocks or anything scrappy, not doesn't work like that and he watched me struggle and he says he just and so I hand him my quilt blocks you know and I watch this big scary intimidating looking special forces soldier you know laid out on the living room floor with 27 cat faces I'm like taking pictures behind him and he says you're not taking a picture of that are you no dear <laughs> no not at all that's <laughs> no this is not going on Instagram don't worry <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, my my husband's favorite color is white, so he's not allowed into the design studio. He's Oh uh... yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when when you first started um sewing, did you did, when did you discover the quilts that you liked making things that went into quilts? Well, you know, it's funny. I mean, I've been sewing my entire life, which I think is a lot of people's story. You know, never trained, never really knew what I was and just winging it. And, you know, the last few years, I had really just kind of had this itch to get into it more, and I really wanted to learn how to make a quilt. And I didn't really have space, and when we relocated here to Colorado a few years ago, I finally had a little room where I could leave my sewing machine out, and I was determined to find a class, and, and I found this little local, very traditional quilt shop, and I signed up for a beginner's class, and I learned how to make a log cabin, and we made this mini quilt, which at the time was this crazy concept to me. What's mm-hmm. the point of this? It's big enough to hurt me. I don't get it. I thought quilts were big. You know? Yeah. Right. I mean, I loved it, you know, and then, you know, the more I started kind of looking online and Instagram, you know, I saw this paper piece thing. I'm like, what is this? This looks really awesome to me. This is totally up my alley. And I took another class and I was hooked and it was just going back. Your paper piecing is just spectacular. And um, I I think your graphics background, your art background, you know, obviously just gets poured all out into this. And then, of course, your photos just, you know, are tremendous. Uh, your butterflies seem to be what you're really um, known for at the moment. Um, when you first did the first butterfly, did you think anything of it? No, I mean, it's the first piecing project I really ever did, um, aside from what I learned in my class, and I just mm-hmm. kind of threw myself into it. I designed it for the Schnitzel and Boo mini quilt swap, um, just thinking, okay, I really want to do something I love, my partner's going to love, and I have this idea in my head, and I really love butterflies. Mm-hmm. And through it, I did, and I just had such an amazing feedback. I had never intended to release it or to sell patterns. It just kind of mm-hmm. happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is funny how something if you you love it and then it seems to just touch a lot of people. Um, give me some tips. You know, what are your sort of top one or two? You know, maybe two tips on 
successful paper piecing? Is it about the paper? Is it about the, the stitch length? Is it about the fabric selection? What makes it really sing, the paper piece design? Well, you know, I mean, it's definitely about all those things that you mentioned. But, you know, what I like to tell people first and foremost, you know, if you really like to do a lot of paper piecing, I really recommend investing in a light box or a light table of some sort. I use it religiously to the point where I can't really even pin out it anymore. Um, mm-hmm. I, I trace the pattern, you know, so I print the pattern out, and I always use the Carol book on paper. I highly recommend that as well. Um, and so I print the pattern out, and then I lay it in the light box, and I trace the pattern on the back. And that is the side that you're going to be placing your fabric on. So you sort of have these guys that really help tremendously along the way. Use that side to then um, cut my fabric pieces. Um, it's especially useful for fussy cuts, and that's, again, where the light box comes in. You can use fabric, your lines, you can get your pieces out. And then it also helps as your self sure that you don't miss a section and to also check because you go I know a lot of people complain that they cut their pieces the wrong size or they're too small you have these lines on the back you're placing your fabric and you can kind of fold with your finger where the seam would be and make sure that it covers that entire area because you have that line there to use as a reference so what size light box do you like to use uh, Nicole because I think a lot of quilters might be might go a little bit on the frugal side of that. They might go, oh, well, I'm not right. going to do this that much. And so they buy this little itty-bitty thing. Um, but what's a really decent size? Well, the one I have is 18 by 24. It's probably 15 years old, and it's really big and it's bulky. not fancy like the things that you can get these days, but it does the trick. And I like the size, but you could definitely go smaller. I mean, most paper piecing patterns and sections are not that large. Um, yeah. So, you know, 10 by 12, 11 by 20, uh, if you can if you can afford to go bigger, it doesn't really hurt. Um, I would probably go larger than 8.5 by 11, you know, 10 by 12 maybe at the minimum. Right, right, right. You know, I think that's a, that's a really good point because the 8.5 by 11 is that's the sheet of paper. And right. you don't have any wiggle room around it. Right. And I always want a paper piece or trace something at like 10 o'clock at night that's right yeah i mean you can totally use window or you know something right. like that, but i mean they're not sewing in the middle of the night occasionally <laughs> right right it's like okay well that's you know and and a lot of them are slimmer now so that they do store more easily rather than oh yes yes mine is probably about you know 12 inches and, and feels like an elephant sitting on my lap so i would love to get yeah. something smaller you know that i could travel with you know but i mean but, you know, you can look on eBay, you can look on Craigslist, um, and Ascot's had a lot of great deals lately. You know, it's something going to use not only for paper piecing, and for, for really, aside from other aspects of quilting, it's just a really great creative tool. So we have, in, in, a, in a, just give me the, sh- the short on this one, because um, we're, we're almost at the end, but I want to get this in, because you have a great story about, even though you're in a, in a rural town, in a small area, you still found a quilter by being online, who lives in Oh, your yeah. Town. I really didn't think I'd make any friends, let alone somebody who had my same interests or was similar yeah. in age to me. And, you know, when I got into sewing, I was getting into Instagram, you know, and starting to follow blogs, and I discovered Maureen Cracknell's blog. Loved it. You know, and I saw her post one day, this pouch that she purchased from somebody, and I thought, oh, this pouch is adorable. And I, there was an Etsy shop, and I went, and I saved it. 
And it was a few months later and really started to get more into sewing. It was right when I had first started. So I went back. I need to look at this again and see what else she makes. And I saw yeah. that she was in Colorado, and I saw that her, ta- her shop was called Small Town Threads. So I'm from Small Town, Colorado. Well, I'm in yeah. a small town, and I look in my town. And, you know, she's been a mile away from me, <laughs> which is funny. So I sent her this nerdy message, like, oh, gosh, I live in your town. I just moved here, and I sew, and you want to be friends? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I was so nervous back and she was really sweet and we had coffee and we became really friends. I mean, she's been here her whole life, so she introduced me to other people in our area, you know, and outside of the area. I mean, and, and, and aside from that, I'm really not sure I would have gotten in with the few people that I do know around here. Oh, I just love that story. I love it because, first of all, you had to go down the rabbit hole to oh, yeah. <laughs> see, where, <laughs> see where she bought this cute thing, and then you had to go back later, and then it sort of clicked. I just love that whole uh, how serendipitous it is that you – Oh, uh, totally. Yeah. I mean, you know, things happen that, that put us where we need to be, the people that we need to be with at the right time. Oh, my gosh. Nicole, this has been so much fun. You have you're a beautiful designer. I'm just incredibly generous with your work. Um, and tell everybody where your website is so they can find out about you. Um, everything you can, everything I have, free patterns, links to my um, pattern shop, tutorials, blog, everything is at lilyella.com. L i l l y e l l a dot com. You can find everything there. Yes, and we might even see a sneak peek of some large hand laying out blocks on the floor. So, yep, <laughs> my arms are not that hairy. I promise. <laughs> yes, yes. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you so much for having me, Pat. This is American Patchwork and Quilting's uh, talk show. I'm your host, Pat Sloan. Visit allpeoplequilt.com and sign up for our newsletter. Uh, you can visit uh, me at patsloan.com. Sign up for mine so you can keep up with everything that's new. And we will see you next week. to visit allpeoplequilt.com for more information on topics from today's show, as well as how-to videos, free printable patterns, and additional tips and techniques. Thanks for listening.